0: Just to prolong that agony, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about our favorite topic. It's a new year, right? But it's a like the same topic. us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually read that uh I, I I subscribed to this newsletter about like uh it I I wanna say it's either uh it's from Kate Mann with two N's and an E at the end and she said like New Year, same year and like, you know, yep. trying to resist the the temptations of like the new year resolution, you know, for especially for dieting in particular, and oh yeah, so but yeah, new year, same us. So,
0: new year, same us. We're still talking about artificial intelligence,
1: okay. so. the, the end all and be all of uh, of the tech world right now. Um,
0: yes. To me it's, so, yeah, <clears throat> I have had the distinct pleasure.
1: In quotes, moving uh, <laughs> you're, quote you're, you're your fingers right now around you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: pleasure quote unquote yeah. air quotes um, of attending um, some some conferences over the past couple of months uh, since we last chatted, and uh, m- most of them. So I, I work in the technology field, right? And when you kind of get to the place where you're going to conferences and and kind of hobnobbing with other tech dudes, um, yeah. you kind of... The, these conferences have, like, a certain uh, feel to them, right? The like, is each one... Like
1: kind of, uh, um, the set, well, it, they always have a very predictable clientele, too, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, like, you don't... There's yes. nobody... Like, the type of people you meet there are always basically exactly who you would expect to, like, you know... Yes. To, to attend yes. these things. But anyway.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, so, well, so I, I I also do the caveat that I think we'll, I'll talk a little bit about later is that I, I work in education. So one of these conferences was like a higher education technology focused conference, which it's, it's a little different. Right. Like it adds a little bit of a nuance to it. Um, uh, but it's uh, it's still the same. <laughs> it's, it's still what you're talking about. But, like, you kind of get this feeling that, like, each year there is kind of, you know how on Twitter there used
1: to be, like, the main character of Twitter? Yeah, there was some famous uh, post about that, like, the Twitter is a site where there's one main character every day and, and your goal yeah. is to never be it. <laughs> so
0: Right. So each year in the tech field there's, like, a main character, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, like several years ago, it was like cloud computing and then it was like hyper converged infrastructure. I'm sure those
1: words a, are triggering. There were NFTs and there was yeah. a, oh my God. Web3. And there was, yes. uh, of course, uh, before NFTs, well, NFTs and, and Web3 were both really extensions of uh, cryptocurrency because that was sort of the original idea. And then NFTs were like, well, what if we did crypto, but for things that weren't money? And then then you had Web3 was supposed to be like the generalized framework that somehow all of this fit into. So if you're not familiar with this terminology, so we had like Web 1.0 is sort of the, the 90s web where basically you went online and you were just sort of consuming whatever like very tech savvy people had already put out there. So like uh, right. a lot of blogs, um, a lot of like corporate websites that were sort of very simple uh, you know you chat rooms that you right, like yeah a lot of like... the a lot of the like interactivity of the yeah. internet was actually well of course you could, you could kind of you start splitting hairs here but a lot of it was outside of the web proper like it was not you didn't like you had to use like a desktop application for like you know aim like aol messenger or mm-hmm. you um another key technology of web 1.0 well of course email was there from the beginning email is a very a very old technology. It goes all the way back to like the 1960s. So it, it was there from the beginning and uh, RSS, um, which, you know, uh, has some different, the abbreviation can mean different things depending on your, you know, your stance. But you know, the, the idea that you could have a feed of all of the items that come from a website, like it's, it's stories and everything that that was in created in the, in the mid nineties. So that mm-hmm. was, um, so that was another thing that we, that came up with uh, with Web 1.0. And then Web 2.0 is when you get into the, the 2000s and you have things like MySpace and Facebook. Uh, so Web 2.0 is you know, basically, you could almost say this year, is sort of the 20th anniversary because you know, Facebook launched oh, yeah. publicly, I think. In in 2004, 2004, yeah, yeah. Yeah, although there was, like I said, there was Friendster and MySpace some others before that. So Web 2.0 is sort of like you're not just consuming, you're also sort of creating as well. You're posting things. Uh, you know, YouTube came along in I think, 2005, 2006, and uh, you know, a lot of these things, like, uh, I mean, it was weird because when I, went, when I was in college, it was like when I entered college, I was still reading all these blogs that had been around since, like, the early 90s, then by the time I ended college, it was like I had all these social media accounts, so it's like all this incredible, like, the, the peak Web 2.0 years were really in the mid-2000s, and then uh, it sort of became commercialized, I'd say starting in, you know, once you had like the Facebook IPO in 2012, um, mm-hmm. you yes some other, I mean, it really became the sort of entrenched model. Now it's sort of hard to imagine that it was, it was, there was ever a time before that. Everything and then, uh, else, yeah. And then Web3, th- web um, which is a little bit different. Uh, you know, you, if you try to ask, them, you know, what is Web3? How do you define it? It's a little... It's a little hand wavy uh it's sort of like it's 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 supposed to be decentralized. That's always a big word that comes up in all these things about crypto and nFTs and web three that it's decentralized, and what they mean mm-hmm. is somehow that like you know they have this ledger so in like a you know a a blockchain, which is the technology that that underpins cryptocurrency, you know yeah, it's just a record of everything that is it's basically a very slow database and it can only be written to it. It it can't be like, um, it's like a write once database. Like once you write to it, you can't, you know, edit or do anything to that. So it's right. kind of like, you can't delete it. Yeah. It's forever. So, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, well, um, you know, this is going to be great because, you know, we'll have this public record and, and everybody will know who's doing what. And there won't be any sort of, uh, you won't be able to corrupt things. Like, uh, I mean, it, it, there's been a lot of like, you know, uh, floated applications for this. Like, uh, you know, you would have health records that would be very accurate or something, and or you would have financial records that would be very transparent. But of course, I mean, there's some obvious flaws with this. I mean, first of all, if the data is bad, what do you do? Um, right. And then, um, so it's like, you know, these, you know, the the, the the blockchain says that these oranges were fresh, but actually they were rotten the whole time in the supply chain. And <laughs> so then like, like, you're like, well, the blockchain can't be wrong. It's, it, it's, uh, it's immutable. And it's like, well, you know, I'm looking at this, you know, and then For this physical yeah, object this physical in the real object. world. So, I mean, to me, the, the, the common take on crypt, the savvy take on crypto was sort of like, well, maybe cryptocurrency is, is you know useless because it's you know this cyber libertarian you know, dream of like having. And I should back up a second and say, <laughs> but <by> decentralized, <laughs> they often mean things like, well, instead of having the Federal Reserve issue currency, we can all you know be little stakeholders in the currency with our you know blockchains that are stored on our right. hard drives or whatever. So. Uh, that was one thing about it, and uh, you know, it's sort of a.
0: Can you can you return to the part where you said cyber libertarian because that's my
1: new yeah favorite. cyber libertarian is is, is a cruel <laughs> word because it's such a it's such a great term for like people who are um you know they they basically think that cyberspace is some kind of like separate domain politically like they act like it's not even part of the real world like I don't know I mean if you've never read like that uh, there was a guy named John Perry Barlow. He was a uh-huh. uh, I mean this guy is like the all-time like you know the boomer of all boomers he, he died a <laughs> couple of years ago but he was a uh, he was a, a lyricist for the Grateful Dead so that's 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 you know boomer uh, uh, number one uh, he yes. also <laughs> was a founder of the Electronic Frontier fa- uh, frat Foundation and he wrote the a, a declaration of the independence of cyberspace which is one of the most oh, ridiculous okay. things that you could you'll probably ever read um it came out in uh it was published in 96 it was in 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 response to like uh you know a uh you know a a piece of u.s legislation called the telecommunications act of 1996 uh, which was i mean it wasn't a great piece of legislation but it wasn't like it was anything uh disastrous or anything But i mean you, some of the stuff you use just, you just, you'll read it and you'll just be laughing out loud like uh you know for example he says governments of the industrial world and you weary giants of flesh and steel I come from cyberspace that cyberspace is capitalized the new home no. of mind mind is also capitalized on behalf of the future I ask you of the past to leave us alone you're not welcome among us you have no sovereignty we get oh <laughs> so it's,
0: it's so dramatic
1: I know, it, it's it, and it makes me <laughs> I mean, like the image I'm getting in my head is like those guys who are like uh, I don't know there was this was like probably 10 years ago or so like there was a trend like you know, right wing guys, you'd be like in court and they would see like a flag that had like a, a, a fringe on it or something and say, well, actually that, that's, <laughs> that's a naval enzyme or something that means for under admiralty law. And then like, the, you God. know, whatever law they were, the court was under was actually, you know, b- void because was, they were under you know, the flag right. they under different jurisdiction. So, um, <laughs> but that's a very cyber libertarian thing. The idea that like, basically, you know, cyberspace is sort of this, this separate domain where uh, you know, the real the rules don't apply, or at least not the, you know the rules of liberal society. Like, you know, the idea that people have like certain, you know, that there's some kind of striving towards equality and equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's sort of just like everybody for themselves, you know, get as, get as much money as you can. And, uh, you yeah, that you also see that sort of fantasy played out with, well, with things like, you know, space colonization, which is never going to work. Uh, yeah, the idea that yep. somehow just escape from the world. And really, once you see that, that's really baked into a lot of, you know, these technologies because, you know, AI is sort of like, well, what if we could just escape from, what if we could escape from human artists, you know, that because, you know, in, human artists. You escape from humanity. Yeah, I mean, from, because I think yeah. for cyber libertarians, the idea of the people who create art are like seen as sort of like liberals who are sort of like don't get technology or something. Um, They're too fluffy, yeah, too flighty, too. Because fl- and, cause I, yeah. and, and uh, so I don't. I think people don't really appreciate the degree to which a lot of technology uh, in the U.S. is sort of a right wing cause, but they, they sort of don't see it because mm-hmm. I mean, you do have like, for example, the Obama administration was like one big long celebration of like how great Silicon Valley was, and like you know, because I mean, Obama was widely you know accused of being too friendly to Google and like antitrust things, mm-hmm. and like yeah. He bailed out Apple once on some kind of import ban on like because Apple lost some kind of case where they they were gonna they were no longer be able to import you know iPads into the U.S. and Obama like vetoed it at the last second, which is pretty unusual for that type of action. But uh, you other places you can see cyber libertarianism is like, um, and of course this is one that where you can actually you can get people kind of mad if you make this argument. I mean, and and I don't mean people just like the usual suspects, but like people who are sort of you know on the left as well, like the internet archive which is i mean overall i would say Mm -hmm. the internet archive is is it's a pretty good resource because i mean it archives like old websites and things but i don't know if you also been keeping up with the fact that they got sued by a bunch of book publishers because in 2020 they they released a bunch of books on their site which were still copyrighted and they didn't really they said it was some kind of emergency library lending program and and they've been sued and i think the case is ongoing but I mean, it, it's it's a very flimsy position under current copyright law, and it's sort of like the idea that copyright law doesn't matter because it's sort of like, well, information just wants to be free, which that's another famous like cyber libertarian sentiment. But it's sort of like, yeah. well, information is not even sentient. How can it want anything, <laughs> you know? And like, you, know, <laughs> right. you want it to be free um, because you want it, you know, like uh, you think of all the you know piracy that went on like during the Napster years or or so on. And mm-hmm. How that, mm-hmm. uh, I mean. Ultimately, that kind of ended, but, uh, you know, it, it greatly undermined the ability to, to earn a living from music. And so I wouldn't say that, like, whatever, you know, ideals of, you know, freedom and open access that were there at the beginning ever really played out into any sort of meaningful left wing, you know, improvement in terms of you know political outcomes. Um, right. But uh, anyway, the Internet Archive is in a lot of trouble because of, you know, the fact that they haven't really, they've been sort of playing fast and loose with, with um Copyright, copyright law, and I think I've argued before that really there's no, I mean, a lot of people take sort of an edgy position, that like, oh, copyright doesn't matter, you know, it's just a big corporate handway, and, uh, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, I don't really think there's any space on the left to be sort of anti-copyright, because once you're anti-copyright, you're sort of, uh, you're just like, well, you should work for free, <laughs> you know, I mean, right. yeah, I mean, it, it can be debated, but I think that, I mean, I think a lot of people don't, um, I mean, they they're skeptical of copyright because they think it's a it's a corp because you see things like you know some corp, huge corporation will sue you know somebody or not not sue but they'll they'll have a, something taken down from a website because they didn't you know you know they violated like copyright or fair use or whatever, um, but then uh, you know at the same time like you know smaller artists are, are depending on that to to make any sort of money at all so uh,
0: exactly it's, uh, like like you see the like the Taylor Swift example yeah. right like she uh famously, you know, is re releasing all of her old songs. Um and and people are, you know, like, she's making money twice. Like how dare she? Yeah. But like but like you're saying, like these um these smaller artists are depending on the the example um, from the bigger names, um, you know, and the, yeah. the precedents so that they can actually, you know, make a living at the thing that they
1: yeah. are doing. I mean, for cyber libertarians, uh, and so AI fits into this too because AI, it's like, well, I can just have this machine spit on everything. I don't have to pay any sort of, uh, I don't have to pay any license holders for anything. Uh, you know, I can just say, you know, hey, write me a song or hey, draw me a picture or hey, generate this. And, and there's no royalties involved. And the only royalties you're paying are whoever's making the software. So sort of sort of like a big, um, you know, transfer from creative, you know, creatives or crea- I don't know what you want to call it, artists who make music or who, who write and, and who you know, mm-hmm. do visual art to people who make software. It is sort of a, I mean, it is, you know, what I would call, a, I mean, it is kind of a misanthropic outlook in a way because it's sort of mm-hmm. a... um
0: I mean, you're taking the human out of out of the creation
1: process right yeah i mean it I, I, yeah go ahead
0: yeah well so i feel like we could talk about this like as as we kind of go go through my experiences here because i do have i do have um some stuff about there there was one part of one one of these conferences i went to there was a session on like ai generated music and like brand like marketing materials um which uh gave me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies but i i did before we get too far into this i did i have two caveats (laughs) so my first one is that we i think we said this before right but um i promise this podcast is not just going to be a shit on ai podcast forever (laughs) um We talk a lot about AI and artificial intelligence um, and, like, kind of what we think about it when it comes to the quote-unquote AI, whatever. Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate artificial intelligence. I don't hate, like, the people who have created these tools. I uh, don't even really think that, like, well, we talked about this, right? Artificial intelligence is not actually, like, the most descriptive way that you could talk about this. Like, really, it's applied statistics. Yeah, yeah um so really like m- most of my reactions um to these events that I went to are like really based on how people are reacting to AI and how um uh like ha- how people in my field and in other fields are like attributing some kind of like a savior complex to this like a- AI as agent right um and I think I think that there are good ways um, or there are ways that AI can be used for good. Right. So for instance, like um, it's making, well, here we go. Right. (laughs) I'm, I'm using it as an agent, but bear with me. It's making it easier to produce accessible content, right. For people with disabilities or people, you know, who, who need access to accommodations, it's making it easier to provide that access. Um, but there's all kinds of not good stuff
1: <laughs> too, <laughs> no. right?
0: My, my second caveat, and I feel like I have to say this, and that I, uh, this is my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I went to these events, like in like in a professional capacity, like this is the field that I'm in. Um, but this is all my personal opinion. This is 100%, 1,000% my personal opinion. It is not the opinion of my employer, etc., cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a lot of people who have technical backgrounds and technical minds, and they're, like, really excited about AI. Like, one of my... Um, one of the 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 people that i work with he is one his new year's resolution is to um use chat gpt at least once a day every day for this year and i'm like go for it guy i guess <laughs> <laughs> um but i so i'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade here i'm just like tired of it i'm tired of kind of the hype cycle that that we see around AI and yeah. and um, and because it's not being checked, I guess, or not, at least not that I can see. It I I just like I see everybody's so very excited about it, and it's going to save the world, and it's going to create more, you know, uh, efficiencies, and we can make more money, and blah 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 capitalism. And uh, I'm not seeing us really you know, kind of take a look at why that is, uh, appealing to us. Right. So would you like to hear about my conference? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, um, by we, I mean us, we met up in Chicago in, was that September?
1: Yeah. And like, like it was around that time,
0: September or October, Um, and so this, this conference was one of the ones that was, um, based on, um, higher education. Um, and, uh, first of all, it was really cool because you and I got to meet up for dinner, uh, for the first time since we've started doing this podcast. So that felt really nice. It gave me an opportunity to be in your neck of the woods. Um, but so this, this conference was kind of based, you know, like I said, around higher education and technology and, and as we were talking about before, right, there's a main character of technology and, in uh, these conferences every year. And this year, it was artificial intelligence. I think there were, like, I don't know, five, six different tracks that you could pick. Um, So things like uh, IT marketing, or, you IT infrastructure or, um, uh, your, um, uh, process and planning type activities. But in each of these tracks, um, you could follow, you could follow the track pretty much throughout the entire three days of the conference. Um, and you could go from one session to the next kind of about the same subject, but in each track, there was at least one or two sessions, maybe three, there was a lot of sessions about about ai right like how ai can be used in your marketing how ai could um help you do better data analytics how ai blah 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 um and i thought that that was you know that was interesting to kind of see how popular the subject was getting because when did chat gpt like when was that it was like last was launched in late
1: 2022
0: okay. yeah yeah all right that yeah that's why I, yeah. yeah it felt like january february last year um but one of the first things that i thought was interesting was they um had a keynote speaker um her name is dr Tressy cottam um she's
1: um yeah we've, a... we've mentioned her before i think on the podcast yeah yeah, yeah she's she writes, she's an opinion columnist for the New York Times and yes. also an you know, author.
0: Yes, yeah. so she um, was there, the keynote speaker the first night there, and um, the uh, the moderator um, asked her, you know, well, we have to talk about AI. We're here at this conference about technology, you know. This was after they had been already talking for probably 30 minutes or so, or just about, uh, you know, budgets in higher education and all kinds of stuff um and she uh said something interesting the the thing that i wrote down that she said was the cycle in the ai discourse feels like groundhog day to me yeah which to me I, that was fascinating and it was she was talking about kind of how we have to separate the marketing cycle of ai i think we talked about this maybe in the last episode we did but the with the marketing cycle for ai the like we're so happy we that this exists and it's like such an exciting piece of technology you should totally use it from the development cycle mm-hmm. like we have to separate those two things because if you know we're talking about marketing this technology to people that maybe don't completely understand the implications of what they're using like how the technology works like etc um but the the development cycle is it, t- to me it seems like it's not that far behind right like these things are like being developed at such like a breakneck thing because we're there's like a run on the bank <laughs> yeah
1: exactly.
0: in terms of the uh, these llms right um and yeah,
1: Sorry. I mean, I mean uh, what I thought of was sort of like, like I think Gartner, like the IT you know research firm, they have something called like the I want to say it's called it the hype cycle or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, um, it, it, you know, it has this thing where like there's a big you know curve that goes from like a, a, a trough up to a really high peak, you know, early on, And then it sort of goes down with like a you know, people become disillusioned with it, but then after that, after everybody stops paying attention, it sort of starts to mature a little bit. And then after a while, it, it, you know, it, it sort of comes back up near to that peak, and it, it's actually useful. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and it's ubiquitous, right? Like it's just kind of in. The- yeah,
1: I mean, I guess I don't know that. But to be honest, I can't think of a lot of great examples about that. The only one I can really think of that kind of fits that model is maybe like the dot-com boom uh, you know and there yeah. was a lot of hype about things like pets.com and you know um was that something van which was like an early delivery service you know things that were sort of launched way before they were ready and then you know there was a big there was a big stock market you know well it was it wasn't nationwide but it was sort of localized to tech you know, and a big big downturn in tech in yeah. you know around 2000 and then um so that sort of um went into the background but then you know as that was happening you know the Infrastructure behind the internet was getting a lot better. Uh, you know, the web standards were getting improved. And devices were becoming better. And then so eventually, you know, later on, you finally did have things like sort of DoorDash, you know, which was maybe like um, I- I'm really blanking at the name of this, wet- this early one, the something van, which was the-, the early one. But DoorDash basically that sort of like for web 2.0. But even so, it's not really that profitable. It's, you know, it requires a lot of fees and it requires like, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Really, kind of uh, you know, just charging restaurants a lot more than if you like if you you call a restaurant on the phone, you can get a much cheaper price than you could get from DoorDash just because oh yeah, the fee is not built in. So, I mean, I guess that's a good, that's one example. Uh, and you know, I feel like the hype is really intense around this in a way. I mean, from my perspective, and uh, you know, this is sort of, I guess, more of a skeptical perspective is that I think Silicon Valley is sort of hasn't really had like a big hit for a while uh because they you know of course they tried crypto they tried nfts uh you know <laughs> those didn't really take off there was um
0: you know i just laugh every time you say nfts because yeah. all i can think about is that that the
1: monkey yeah the the all my apes are gone or something It's like yeah and then uh so then they've had and then they've had um i mean they had wearable computers you know which like the apple watch which i mean the apple watch is a, is a, is a decent sized business there's no disputing that but I mean, I don't think anybody would say that the Apple Watch is anywhere near as much of a breakthrough as any of Apple's previous products were. Like, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just not even, even the iPod was such, it was a much bigger, uh, you know, in terms like the iPod totally changed how like music was paid for. But, um, and then Apple Watch, you know, I mean, it's a nice thing. It's, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar business. I think the Apple Watch by itself is like a bigger business than Adobe. But then, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I would say it, it's it's nice, but it's not revolutionary. And then, so now you've also got these sort of spatial computers, to like the the Vision Pro, which should come out like mm. month now. And so, <laughs> but I feel like you know, I mean, of course, you know, the iPhone, the smartphone, you know, the revolution that was you know a grand slam, you know, in the late two thousands. I mean, they really, cre- I mean, and I don't know if they create anything quite like that again. Um, I mean, because they really no, have the yeah. perfect they had the perfect confluence of different, you know, they had a device that everybody already sort of had, like with a cell phone. And then they merged that with like another a device that like, also had a, an MP3 player. And then they moved mm-hmm. basically all the software that you used to have to go to a desktop for onto a phone. So, um, you know, a lot of things converge there. And I don't know if that opportunity is going to present itself, at least not for a long time. So to me, yeah. it's sort of like, um, but you know, all of the venture capital firms, all of the, the big, big tech firms, they still have to keep, you know they have to keep the ball rolling um and so i mean one way you could also understand uh chat gpt and well not just chat gpt but the whole llm ecosystem is really a sort of a big bet by microsoft in particular because um i mean the infrastructure to run these type of things is very uh, you know it, it's very cost prohibitive for most companies so like mm-hmm. it's something like uh and this is some this is a trend that you sort of see across a lot of technologies over time is a technology that are, that used to be that, you know, it was very easy to get started with some kind of technology. Like, uh, uh, for example, you think about, like, video with, like, VHS tapes, how cheap they were. You could record on them yourself. Uh, you, know, you, could, you could do all kinds of—you had a lot of control over them. Now it's like, you know, um, that evolved into, like, DVDs and Blu-rays, and those each of those became more expensive and kind of trickier to work with. And then mm-hmm. or like software, it used to be you had it in a box. Now it's like, you know, a cloud subscription that you, you lose access to the instant you stop paying for it. Or um, or with technology here, like it used to be very easy, like a, a company that wanted to make like a, you know, if you wanted to make like a web app or even like an iPhone app or an, an iPad app, or, you know, the, the associated costs of doing that were not very high because all you, I mean, well, you just had to have a, some programmers and some tools, but like, I mean, I can speak from my own experience that I worked for a company that had like fewer than, you know, had one point, fewer than 10 employees. And they were able to make an iPad app that, you know, was like a top 20 app in the app store for like a couple of years. And, and so like, you know, but then now like that type, there's no way you could do that with like, like you couldn't get together a team of like, you know, 10, 10 of your friends and make like an LLM that would like have a lot of success. Because first of all, where are you going to get all the servers that are going to power like the queries? And so uh, you had to have all this massive infrastructure to underpin what you're doing. And there's not that many companies that can provide that. So yeah, I mean, of course, you have like Amazon, which you have with Amazon Web Services, and you have Microsoft with Azure, you have Google, and really that's kind of it. Uh, I mean, Apple is sort it of in its own, you know, category because it's even though it doesn't really run a cloud, it's such a huge customer of the cloud that it has a lot of leverage over, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and so on. But uh, right. so I mean, even though it's not like its own running its own cloud you know, if Apple pulled all this business from one cloud, I mean, that's a gigantic loss for whoever. Right. So there's, there's a lot of political. Yeah. So I mean like iCloud, you know, is iCloud used to be Azure. And I think maybe it's also some AWS mixed in there too. I don't know. But, um, anyway, uh, so I mean, you could like Microsoft gained a trillion dollars worth of market cap last year. Um, basically on account of chat GBT, because they have a partnership with chat GBT and, uh, and so, I mean, they're sort of underwriting a lot. They've invested a lot of money in it and, you know, they're building chat functionality into a lot of their own, their own uh, applications, like, you know, the uh, office in particular. So,
0: yes. yeah. So, yeah, I, I actually talk about that. I, I have some
1: notes about that yeah. a little bit so later. It, um, yeah. But I mean, so you've got Microsoft with like this huge market cap now because of this, but then if you actually look at it on paper, um, I mean, Microsoft is, in terms of its revenue, is quite a bit smaller than Apple, Google, and Amazon, all all three of them. Um, yeah. And, but, so, I, I think a lot of this is, I mean, it's sort of, a, it's a catch-up play with Microsoft because, I mean, they, they missed on, you know, mobile devices big time. They sort of got into the cloud, although kind of belatedly. I mean, Amazon really, you know, ate their lunch for a long time there. And, you know, Search, of course, they've never been anywhere with Bing. And this is worth it's worth <laughs> mentioning that, you know a year ago, you know, the inclusion of Chat GPT and into Bing was such a huge deal, and basically, Bing's market share has not changed at all. So, uh, I was wondering, yeah, about this. so I mean, <laughs> if you want to think about its impact there, and, and even the use of Chat GPT itself at the website, I mean, it has been it grew throughout 2023, but it did not grow. At anything that would be like an exponential rate, like it wouldn't be like if you looked at a chart of like people using Google between 1998 and 2004, where it's basically just a straight line upward. Um, it's not. It's all just a bunch of tech nerds. So I mean, it's, it's having it's <laughs> having an impact, but uh, yeah. I think the idea that it's sort of a revolution is, I think, a little bit overstated. Um, and uh, so.
0: Right. Well, this is what she's talking about, right? Like, separating the marketing cycle from the development cycle, right? Like, it's all about the hype right now. And it's all about, like, getting more people to use it to the end of more productivity, more uh, making more money, doing, you know, like, it, it, it just, it feels... Very much, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but at, at another one of these events that I attended, um, the, the keynote speaker, it it felt like this was at the school that I work at. Um, and it felt like he was given the, uh, the directive of talk about AI. And that was like it. And that was like the only like prompt he was given. And, and he he's like a real like he's a retired executive um, for like a Fortune 500 company, and he's also like a mystery thriller author. Like he self-publishes his own books, mm-hmm. which first of all, like <laughs> you're you're like talking about AI and you're a self-published author. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and he basically his entire uh, presentation. Was about how AI is great and awesome, and there's nothing wrong with it. And it it felt like he was talking to the wrong room, honestly, because a lot of the people in the audience are scholars and researchers and and students, and and he it felt like he was talking to like a business, like a, employees at a business, because um, he 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 what he did talk about. Um, how Microsoft is incorporating um, the AI into their products? Right. He there was there was a um, a video. He showed us a video of you can talk to like an avatar, and that that the avatar will like. It was weird. It was very uncanny valley. Yeah. Like he and, and he did it in the middle of the room. Right. And it it was it also. Had like some Hatsune Miku vibes. It was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, but you know, he he's like like look at this cool technology that um, that we can use to be um, more innovative and more collaborative. Um, it was it seemed like really overly rosy, you know. Yeah. And and we did have one one student stood up and asked him about the the climate uh, aspect of AI, like. You know these data centers are uh, like sucking energy,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and it, like... it is,
1: I had something on that. Because it's not very long, but uh, there was some. Mm-hmm. So I actually ha- have sort of gone on Twitter hiatus, and, and I'm not even sure if I'll reactivate my account. But before I left, I did see someone who was uh, there was some sort of you know thing getting passed around about how how many gallons of water like Microsoft's uh, infrastructure had used to support you know ChatGPT, and it was. It was pretty bad, and this person was like, "Well, if you think about all the water that's used to water, you know, do to do landscaping every day, it's not actually not that much." And at least with with this, I can get my homework done. And I'm like, uh, "Oh my god, I, that's pretty stupid." And like that reminded me of another <laughs> another blog uh, that uh, this one's very short. It's, it's from the, the blog It's called Rubber Hose. It, this guy's been blogging for like 25 years, but so he writes a pretty short post. But he says is there anything that this alleged AI has made better for anyone other than students trying to cheat on their papers? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Right. Cause that, if you think about it, that has been like, I mean, that is the killer app. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what right. has gotten the most like a spilled on it for sure is like, you know, how can I grade papers now that, you know, chat exists. And it's like, uh, well, uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of ways you could get around that. You could make them write something on the spot or you could just say, wow. Um, you know, this is a lot different than the other stuff you gave me <laughs> um, right, right so uh and, um well anyway, I, I was gonna say that like uh about the avatar that you mentioned, I mean, I think people are very fascinated by these type of things because mm-hmm. and I, I think it's I think it's because it's it seems like a person, even though it's underneath it's you know quite stupid uh i, I mean it's not very right. intelligent, and so it reminded me of like uh
0: it's just applied statistics,
1: yeah, and like so and especially with the chat form too It makes it somehow seem like friendly in a way that i don't think it really is like for, i don't know if you uh, we we might have talked about eliza before which was uh it was like a, a program that's written in in the 1960s um it it was designed to simulate a, a psycho like analyst so you could like sit down at a oh, sit down at, a, at mm. terminal and you could say you know um eliza might say something like you know are you, are you feeling bad and you could say well, um, you know, I, I felt this, and then Liza would say, "And so, can you tell me more about that?" And like, and it would go on like that. And actually, I mean, it's kind of uncanny. I mean, of course, we're talking about you know, you know, ancient history in terms of technology here in the 1960s. I mean, not that it was that long ago, you know, overall, but like in terms of like computer tech, it was a in terms different of world. Tech, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's not that much different than like ChatGPT, to be honest. I mean, of course, it didn't have the internet, so it, it, the all the responses they gave you were already pre-formulated. So it couldn't, like, grab something from somewhere. But, uh, I mean,
0: the... maybe be safer that
1: way. Yeah, I mean, I that's, mean that's another thing, too. And um, and that's the other thing about, you know, the Internet is that people will say, well, it's so impressive that, you know, ChatGPT, you know, it, you can pass the bar exam. Like, well, if I had a computer that I had access to the Internet while I was taking the bar exam, I, I could easily pass it, too. I could, <laughs> probably, yeah. do I could too. probably do that, yeah. too. <laughs> I could probably even do better. Um but then
0: like oh and actually related to that the one of the jokes that this person made at the the keynote he he said he he made this joke and he laughed he laughed about it and the whole room laughed about it but he said that it's the bard and ChatGPT are not good at the ap english literature exam and i and i thought that like okay
1: (laughs) well i mean yeah it's like i wonder
0: why it requires some
1: But now you're really deep on that because, I mean, language is not really something computers understand uh, in any sort of way. And and no matter what anybody tells you about that, I mean, they they just don't get it because they're digital devices and they don't have, they don't have context. They don't have, they don't do well Well, with with, uh, ambiguity of any type. Uh, I mean, this came up with like, you know, the fact that AI programs will often look for synonyms and so on when they're writing things um and this led to an infamous gaffe where there was an msn you know story um where some basketball player died you know and the headline was brandon hunter useless at 42 and it, oh know, no it was like uh and it, and it mm-hmm. went viral but it was basically a machine trying to use a bunch of synonyms to say well now that he's dead he's useless you know and, oh uh, my goodness! So, yes. Yeah, and, I hadn't heard. But a human that. would never make that mistake. Even the worst writer in the world would never come up with that. Headline, you know, right? are so talking about something oh, like gosh. even the most advanced computer could not do better than like you know any literate person, basically. And uh,
0: well, the the thing about language is that language exists because it is always changing. Yeah, right. And, I mean, yeah, and the, so computers can't. Computers don't
1: really do. Uh, I mean, they don't. Uh, yeah, uh, they're not alive. So I mean, and, and using language is very much a something that requires you know having contact with living things and and you know have i mean it, it's it's an analog it's a very analog process it, as ex, i explained mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. book that i you know the cultural logic of computation which was you know disputing how uh,
0: oh this reminds me i was going to read that yeah I noam,
1: like the Gaza really goes hard and how noam chomsky tried to make like language into something that was like stored in the computer um sort of uh, stored in a, a part of the brain, it was sort of like retrieved, like it was a computer program, and so on. And, and
0: oh, we talked about yeah. this—the the metaphor yeah. of the yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: He, it, it was. He really takes it apart, and uh, so that's. I mean, as far as uh, using language, you know, I, it's not. It's just not. A, it's, it's not even the same thing. It's like, uh, and 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 then the other thing too is that, um, I think in order to make ai better you would have to make it better at ambiguity somehow but then yes. by doing that you would sort of undercut the entire value proposition of computers which is that they're very accurate uh, yes. and so uh because like yes that's yeah, it and so like um like i was just like i couldn't believe one, one time i read something like uh you can now do like uh certain types of it uh, you can do certain types of advanced equations or something in chat gbt and i'm like oh my God, what if a computer can do math? It's like, <laughs> it's like, that's all computers do all the time. It's everything, uh-huh. everything is math to them. And like, uh, and then now the, the great big innovation, the wow. Well,
0: is that it a can do math. And you have, math. but you have to, you have to add like a, a program to chat
1: yeah, yeah, in order also, for it to do math. So it will, it can often give you very raw results. Like uh, yes. you can say something like list me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, don't don't quote me on this. Something like you know, list the first something prime numbers, and it'll it'll put one in there that's not like prime, and then like, right. uh, and so it's there's some stupidity there for sure. And it's like, uh, you know, uh, computers are. I mean, they're good at, at at being very accurate and precise, and making it where that now it's like, you know, the main you want to make the main interface to a computer. Like a text field or a voice field where you ask it a question and it gives you like an un- incorrect answer, that seems like a big step backwards. Um, and yeah, um, but anyway, it's also worth mentioning that the you know the creator of Eliza, um, uh, Joseph Weizenbaum, was very uh, skeptical of AI, <laughs> um, and because he you know he he also thought the computers were sort of a um, a, cons- a fundamentally you know conservative force. Um, so he, mm-hmm. which I think he's kind of right about that because the systems they reinforce them all been kind of, uh, have been kind of reactionary, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the best to get the AI for me is that, you know, you have something that computers are good at and you're trying to, um, sort of muddy the waters by making them like less reliable. Um, sort of the same thing with, uh, with quantum computing, which has been a longstanding sort of mm-hmm. project to sort of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like in the late nineties, I remember talking about quantum computers were imminent, you know, um, But, you know, the, and and I think it's a, it's a, it's a very like stem type of frustration. The idea that, well, quantum physics is right, classical physics is is wrong, but then computers still obey classical physics and they don't, they don't have anything to do with quantum physics. Uh, Right. So, uh, and because like basically all the computers in the world are classical computers where everything is either like zero or one. And, um, and so basically, they're just they're just switching things on and off, and underneath it, that, that's all it is. It's just like you know, is this this on or off? Is it, you know, and then and it, it becomes more complex from there. And the the idea with quantum computing is that you know, you have all these different states, you know, and it's like, well, now you're getting into sort of uh, the same sort of thing where it's like, well, we have this thing that works pretty good, and now we want to make it sort of where it's less useful, but maybe it'll make us more money and I just think that's the rough <laughs> I think I think we just lack the ability as a society to say like we don't need this um, like I mean we just don't we just don't have the capacity to, to say you, yeah. you know what we don't need this yeah. um, you know what and, actually and I mean it's sort of like um, I don't know I mean I guess every now and then you see something that like that, that actually does you know like 3D TV you know that was a big thing it was supposed to be like the next big thing TV and it didn't basically went nowhere um, I mean 3D graphics just in general like the Nintendo 3DS you know that was his main selling point when it came out. And then by the end of its lifespan, uh, like the best selling model, like the 2DS XL, didn't even have 3D. <laughs> um, you know, it was because like all the other improvements were so much better. I, I mean, so much more meaningful. But then that was sort of the gimmick that everybody knew about was the 3D, you know. So um, like a lot of games didn't even support it near the end either. And they didn't have a 3D. They'd have, they would say saying the box, plays only in 2D. And uh, Oh, yeah. No,
0: I I, the 3DS, that was. I, that was a uh, uh, a generation that I skipped.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. it's game library is quite deep. Um, but uh, And it's funny, the, the, the definitive version of Ocarina of Time is on there, and so is the definitive version oh. of Majora's Mask. Uh, oh, yeah, it that's got right. a lot of N64 ports, because I think, you know, under the hood, it was quite similar to the N64 in terms of its capabilities. So, like, it has a, a vastly improved version of Majora's Mask. It has a better version of Star Fox. It has a better version of Ocarina of Tom. Um There's some other ones too, I think. But uh, it 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 was. Um, and then of course it was backwards compatible with it with the original DS. But um, yeah, it had a. It was a pretty pretty deep library. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Nintendo funny. has never really showed its hand on AI exactly. All the, I mean, in terms of like the sort of the old you know gaming companies. I mean, uh, I mean Square Enix. I think was. So they're gonna be really big on AI. So I don't it, it, if yeah. that means like more uh, ogre battle content. You know, maybe hell yeah, because they haven't released a new one since since two thousand one, I think. Just
0: uh, just let ChatGPT loose on I, I, ogre I, I battle.
1: battle. Yeah, and then uh, of course, I'm well, of course, Microsoft and Sony. I mean, I'd say Of course, Microsoft. You know, we all know where they where they stand on this. I'm not sure about Sony, but. Um,
0: i mean i don't know so like um, i I think my main like
1: yeah uh, i I was just gonna say i think i I can't find the article now but there was something also about like microsoft trying to do ai stuff with gaming like you know making gaming development easier and whatever i read i I might be able to find it and put in the show notes but people were saying basically we don't need this because like we already sort of have a good way of doing that that we can control um but anyway it's just kind of well not that the gaming industry is like like, well right? i mean the gaming industry is kind in of, terms of like i mean labor. it's kind of falling apart in a way because i mean the yeah. labor is really bad and there's so many mergers and everything and um yeah. it's it's uh but it is kind of i, I
0: don't yeah, know it's, i wonder if the difference so like for me games are it's kind of the intersection of computing and art right, right yeah and what were you seeing ai being used for and maybe it's because i have a you know, this, this small lens of, I work in higher ed technology, but like, I, I see it being used more for efficiencies in work yeah, and in, you know, your job. And it's really focused on one of the things that the guy said was, what could a talented marketing team do with this? How could it accelerate their workflow? And I was like, Oh my God. And then I immediately wrote it down. Cause of course those are several large buzzwords yeah. that we like to talk about, right. but like, it, and 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 later i attended a session uh several weeks later at a different conference about how the um how you can use ai to you know improve your marketing uh, uh efforts right like you can streamline your streamline your workflows yeah, right there's mean, there's more
1: buzzwords. i wrote that uh, but uh,
0: yeah yeah and it, it, to me it just felt like it felt uh, oh somehow. the original yeah. b- yes yes uh, and my original point was like it's all about um making more money it's about making yeah. more I mean doing producing more labor um instead of like making art and so maybe maybe that's the the disconnect here between you know video game companies not wanting to really uh dip their toes into I mean, it or yeah, people saying that we don't need this I, I
1: mean that, this sort of gets back to what I was saying earlier about how you know it used to be that you could make something um uh, that would be kind of a, a pretty a pretty good success without like a, a you know too much infrastructure or budget like um mm-hmm. i was just thinking of like uh you know some of the best some of the most technically advanced games on the super nintendo were basically made by a single person um he, he, i think his name was uh it is his german name so i'm gonna totally butcher so this like manfred trends or something and he worked for mm-hmm. a company called rainbow arts i think was what it was called and uh they made the Super Turrican, Super Turrican two and then oh, yeah. the very rare um what was it called? Rendering Ranger, which uh which I think was only <laughs> ended up being only released in Japan, but uh, it recently got a reprint from um uh, on a original cartridge by uh, limited run games. But uh basically you know, he did all the programming, he did the music, I think he did some of the art. Um and so I mean the and so I mean these games weren't like blockbusters, but they were pretty I mean, the Turrican series is pretty successful. And uh the idea now that some that a single person could do that and have like that level of success i mean translated for you know the, the much larger size of the audience today i mean that's kind of i mean it would be really a long shot i mean just because the stardew valley the, stardew valley yeah, did. The Stardew Valley, i mean the and, and and the way you do it is that uh you often you often have to do it in some kind of outmoded like you know style like you can't you there's no way uh-huh. you can do it like you can't do it like 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 with with the Turrican games, I mean that was the technological cutting edge for that console. I mean, like there's really nothing more impressive on the on the SNES than like you know Super Turrican two and um, and right. uh, Rendering Ranger and so on. But um, but then like now, yeah, I mean you do have like Stardew Valley or there was something there was some recent indie indie success called like Day of the Diver, which was pretty I, yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, and the way that, but now, like, I mean, they are consciously, like, sort of old school. I mean, at least in.
0: You can't make a Zelda by yourself.
1: Yeah, right. You couldn't basically. make, like, the equivalent of, like, a Zelda. And, like, but, I mean, at one time, you, you almost could because, like, I mean, the original Super Mario Brothers only had four a team of four. It was only about team of four. Um, and, oh my and gosh, uh, I didn't know. So that was, you know, 39 years ago. But, um, but and, and, uh, amazingly enough, three of the four worked on Super Mario Wonder, which came out last year. <laughs> so, uh,
0: that is that incredible. Is incredible I,
1: know. Um, I can't remember the one he didn't, but like uh, the fact that like just that's sheer continuity. Uh, you know, that's really what makes Nintendo what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's. Awesome. I mean, you have like Stardew Valley. And of course there was the, you know, 10 years ago, there was Flappy Bird, which was a, a kind of an overnight sensation. <laughs> on, the, on And that was, um, right. that was like a single guy. And it was like very you know, outdated, but it was, in terms of its graphics and so on, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I mean, you could almost look at the long-term push of trying to make video game graphics more realistic as like, you know, I mean, it, obviously it's a capitalist thing as you want to sell like more advanced, uh, you know, systems and TV and, TVs and mm-hmm. so on. But, you know, in a way it's sort of like, well, we don't need these, uh, we don't need these artists anymore. We just need to make everything look like a photograph, you know, and like, uh, right. and you know, we can use right. AI to render like hyper-realistic, you know, blah, 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 textures or whatever. um. But then at the same time, it's like uh, you know you go back to the, some of those old games, like you know SNES games, and I think it's often really hard to sort of remaster them in any way that makes sense because they're kind of the pinnacle of like two D pixel art. So the, really, the only thing mm-hmm. you can do is sort of like make the, make something in the same style, um, because like you know I mean right. the only I mean Nintendo kind of broke the mold. Can't, but,
0: you can't really like improve. Yeah, you can't really improve. The, I mean that.
1: Like, Nintendo did try that with Super Mario RPG, which was uh, to be to be fair, Super Mario RPG was a very late. SNES title and it has and it uses a bunch of uh, enhancement chips to make its graphics like you know more advanced than would be po- like the SNES cartridges you know could have extra processors inside the cartridges and so when they were inserted to the system those cards those processors essentially become part of the SNES motherboard so it's like the console is upgraded by the, the game um, and so with Super Mario RPG it had some extra processors that let it do like sort of um, ISO metric perspective and sort of clay like, you know, textures. Um, mm-hmm. So they did remaster that recently for the Switch um, with, you know, some upgraded um, visuals and they gave a surround sound. It, it, and it, I mean, it's a good game. I heard it's, it's pretty, pretty good, good yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was skeptical at first because I was like, well, you know, you can't really gild the lily, you know, with these Super Nintendo games because they, they were so right. they're, they're so good and, and they're so, you know, they're they're like, you know, that's the, the golden age of pixel art and video games and but they did a decent job with it, and I, I'm guessing they didn't really use any AI either. But <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. but maybe, who Hopefully. knows. Uh, the same company, I think, did some remakes of, like, Link's Awakening, and um, they did the remake of Majora's Mask for the 3DS and so on. But, um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, but those are, but yeah, I mean, the I guess what, what I was saying, I mean, like, yeah, you, like today you can do, like, you can maybe have a Sardi Valley or something, or Dave the Diver, but you kind of have to, limit your horizons in a way i mean you can't like be like well i'm gonna make you know game this on the absolute you know cutting edge because it's just it's gonna be too expensive
0: oh yeah no i mean like you you by yourself not not really not really doable yeah so um but yeah i th- i think um it maybe maybe i think this might be my last real like takeaway from some of those uh some of those conferences but like um my, I have, I have like two pretty, uh, pretty big, uh, how to say like negative talking points about AI, right? Like my, my two big, my two big worries, I guess is really like the thing that we've been talking about with, with how focused it is on, uh, consumption and, uh, capitalism and kind of, uh, creating efficiencies in labor and work you know look look at this thing and how fast it can do this thing and, for you so that you can it's also
1: uh, create more things for yeah and, and it's also very extractive uh, you know like in just as capitalist industries like like the old industry you know is all about you know drilling i mean this is really about like yes, lots yes. of electricity and water that could be used for anything else <laughs> so
0: yes yeah. like literally like i mean it, the God, I, I i keep thinking about that thing you said about well, at least I got uh at least I got my homework done. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, your lawn is yeah. is less important than my... I'm thinking like, don't just stop watering your lawn. Like
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's <Anyway, laughs> a whole background there too about like uh NIMBYism versus Jimbyism, which could go down whole Rap like but uh yeah, it's uh I mean you, you can't I mean landscaping creates a lot of jobs, I guess. So <laughs>
0: I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Seeps, seeps, kind of. You know.
1: was, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> it reminded me of that. Uh, uh, the 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 whole sentiment, like the, you know, Chad ChatGPT might use a lot of water, but it you know it my homework done. It's, it reminds me of that classic drill tweet, something like, uh, "Drunk driving uh, kills a lot of people, but at least but it helps some people get to work on time." So it's impossible to say if it's good or bad. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh
0: I ain't horrible. <laughs> um, but so so that's like my first, you know, real uh kind of worry about AI. And then my second is um I went to a a session at the, the conference in Chicago about oh. um uh bias within AI. Yeah. That is a big one. And yeah, and and it, it, I think it was called like Risks and Biases in Artificial Intelligence. And that's like kind of an innocuous enough title. Um and so I was I was interested and I I went and I sadly this this session was only 30 minutes long because we could have we could have been in there for hours. He um was probably the only person that I met at that conference who was kind of iffy, right? on ai he 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 mentioned you know like that we are relying on artificial intelligence to do too much that it's not good at right right and we kind of joked a little bit about like how it can't do math or whatever because it's just a language model but he he demonstrated that like he had someone use chat gpt and he had somebody use bard and he asked them the same question like what is seven thousand nine hundred and sixty two times four or whatever and they came up with different answers, right? Because, like, <laughs> because it, it can't do math. It can only, you know, reproduce what is what it has uh, consumed from whatever yeah. the training materials right. they're giving it. Yeah. But the thing that really got me about this session was he um, went through different, uh, different uh, AI models, right? The LLMs, right? um ChatGPT, Adobe, I think it's called Firework. Um Firefly, maybe. Firefly yeah. that's yeah. it. Adobe Firefly, um Bard and there was one more Claude. Um Is that what it, is that it Claude? Anyway, there were four of them and he put in different prompts. Right. And one of the prompts was group of happy nurses. Uh, yeah. Right. And three out of the four, the ad, Adobe uh, Firefly was actually the good one, right? Because their um, their system, as far as I understand it, is uh, trained on their own photography, yeah, um, and not not like the internet at large. But um, group of happy nurses, and he said, you know, generate me an image about this, and the 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 first three of those were they were all women yeah. they were all white yeah. they were all young and they all had like blondish brown hair like like it was the most monogamous looking yeah. monogamous that's not the right word
1: homogenous
0: H- hom- yeah. homogenous, homogenous. Yeah. <laughs> the most monogamous yeah. <laughs> sort we're of photo that you have ever seen yeah. right and so it he kind of you know posed the question of like what's wrong with this right the, there's no what the, i mean like a group of happy nurses. Where, where are the the male presenting nurses? where are the people of color? where are you know um the the older gentlemen the older ladies like and it was really kind of stark to me right that we we don't think about this kind of thing right yeah. We just want a picture of whatever but like in my job I am we you know we are trained to make sure that we are including, all of our audience in the things that we do and so we we have diverse audience sets yeah and when when you are putting um when you're putting that information into a program like this and it's not producing like what your audience actually looks like you're gonna alienate you're gonna alienate people yeah and and it it's um I don't know that that really struck me as as something that we need to figure out if we're going to follow this AI thing down down the rabbit hole. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: It's, I mean, so, so that thing with um, the fact that it's so uh, it's so racist and and biased towards uh, towards white you know, subjects in particular. Uh, I mean, this is something that that predates, I mean, AI by you know, quite a bit. Um, I think one of the most infamous examples that I can think of is uh is something about uh so Apple and Google photos used to have um I'm just trying to dig up something to jog my memory here uh um, used to be like I think if you took a photo of like a gorilla and you put it into Google photos or into um apple photos and then you said you were searched if you searched your library for gorilla it would not return anything even if you had a bunch of companies uh-huh. and i think the you can kind of see where this is going uh, yeah. and, uh and so there's i think the history here is that it used to be that when you would put photos of non-white people in there it would often label them as gorillas um oh, and so guess. uh there's a lot of bias embedded in here and you know of course the question is how to get in there you know it's it's sort of the the naive uh, assumption that computers are somehow you know fair-minded or that they embody you know sort of the ideal uh, personality computers aren't anything yeah they aren't anything they're just just the people that they're a rock that's doing math so (laughs) yeah but (laughs) that's my new
0: favorite thing it's a rock that's doing
1: yeah and so i don't well uh i don't we won't have time to cover like this but maybe this is something for a future episode but there's there's sort of an ideology that's sort of connected to, I think, to AI in particular, and it's called TESCREAL. And that's T E S. TESCREAL? T E is an acronym. Uh, T E S C R E A L. And it stands for transhumanism, extropianism, singularian, singularity, singularitarianism, cosmism, rationalism, effective altruism, and long termism. So uh, these are a bunch of ideologies that are, I mean, they're, they're, they, they believe different things. They're all sort of, you know, related, but, you know, like, effective altruism is something like, you know, we have to do this now to save, you know, all the lives in the future, you know, that, you know, the the, the 8 billion, you know, artificial intelligence things that haven't been born yet or whatever. And uh, and so, and then long-termism is sort of similar belief, but, you know, you can really draw a straight line from, like, eugenics to all these ideologies. Oh, yeah, So, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, there's, there's a really good uh, article by was his name, or this person, Emil, uh, Emil P. Torres, who wrote something about like, you know, the acronym behind our wildest AI dreams and nightmares. And, uh, it's, and you know, some of the people who are associated with these movements, you know, they have, they have a history of, um, you know, racist statements, uh, like, you know, Nick Bostrom is one of them. Uh, but, uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, Sam Bankman Fried was quite associated with this field too. (laughs) Um, you know, there, there was. There was a joke that you know Vox dot com for many years had a basically what was a, an effective altruism vertical, you know, because he was you know donating so much money to them, and so and then when he you know, finally got caught with all of his you know fraud and everything, it was sort of, this person was like you know how could this happen you know blah blah blah, and uh, it was kind of embarrassing for everyone involved, but uh, you know it's, so you can sort of see how AI sort of leans towards I mean know, yeah, the people who are making it are not exactly you know um, what I would call like sort of multicultural uh you know liberals or anything i mean i'm sure there's
0: people who are thinking about these
1: Yeah, things. i mean there's a lot of people who've been alienated from this field i mean like uh timnit gebru is one she used to work for google i think and she mm. she posts a lot on mastodon about this type of stuff and uh emily bender is a professor at the university of washington and she's uh, she's also been sort of skeptical of it um and, of course, yeah, I, um, all of its biggest, I, I mean, yeah, obviously I was going to say all of its biggest proponents are, are, all, are I mean, most of them are all men. So, um, yeah. Yep. Either way.
0: No, yeah, I was I was going to add to your list. I, I also have a quote from uh, Ruha Benjamin, who is the a professor of African-American studies at, at Princeton. She talks a lot about AI yeah. um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things that, like, I don't, i i don't know where it's gonna go right Yeah. um and i i don't know what the solution is i just i i think that people are not looking critically enough at um at the technology and i um
1: yeah i mean uh, it, it yeah. kind of reminds me in a way of like um email spam like uh yeah I mean, at one point email spam was kind of funny and it was sort of like um it was just amusing that somebody come up, could come up with that type of stuff but then you know, at some point it became like industrial scale and you and uh, yeah and the only and you know, there's, uh, I think one of the biggest effects of email spam was that it became and this this connects again to what we were saying about how it's harder to make things on your own than it used to be uh, it used to be you could pretty easily run your own email server and uh, you know you could get good performance reliable and everything but now uh, the fact that just the the sheer volume of spam, and you know the ad and and the the oddities of Gmail, like how Gmail, um, you know, w- will Gmail consider you sort of a trusted sender, or will it you know, confine you to you know the, somewhere other than the inbox? Uh, really, the only the only companies that can run e- email at scale are like just massive corporations. So like uh, you know Gmail, you know, iCloud email from Apple, uh, you know. Verizon owns Yahoo and AOL. Uh, Hotmail. And Hotmail is Microsoft so, <laughs> and <laughs> Outlook. So that's basically it. You know, I mean, and Gmail alone is like over half of the world's email. Uh, so right. It's one of those things. That, and, you know, with ChatGBT, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, oh, well, now it's sort of like, I mean, people will say, well, this helps people create, you know, art pretty easily. But then like now it's like, well, will anybody be able to afford to be a digital artist other than like, you know, someone who's got access to all these, you know, servers. But I yeah
0: yeah see that's that that's wait there that's my third problem yeah (laughs) that's that's i think that's like the the biggest maybe one for me personally because the you're you're what what is this the conservative talking point about creating jobs right like we're we're taking away like the livelihood of people who actually um who actually do create art who are creative like you know human beings instead of uh, a computer program that creates an amalgam of you know of uh of artworks that it has consumed like I I don't know it frustrates me that that like we're just and and maybe again maybe it's like my myopic you know lens that like because this is the field that I work in maybe maybe there's hope I guess. <laughs> but, but it, it just seems like we're not thinking about it as critically as, as we could be. And well, and I, I of course I say that and here we are talking about it for an hour and a half, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess maybe my, uh, maybe my, my point here is that we should continue to think about it
1: critically. Um, yeah. and yeah, and I don't know. we should, yeah, we should be more, um, we should have be more skeptical than, than we are. Um, I mean, well, we are skeptical. I, if I we, I just mean, you know, people in general should be more willing to, like I said, to say, maybe we don't need this. Uh, yeah. And but then it's it's so hard to do that because, I mean, the like the tech press in the U.S. in particular. Is so um, they they all they always get the benefit of the doubt to they their covering. And, and I, I know why they do that. I mean, it's so they can, they can keep access and so right. you know, and uh, and keep advertising because I'm like, if The Verge was nothing but a bunch of screeds about how AI is out of control and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Their
0: ads would disappear. I,
1: they, they, they'd be in a lot <laughs> of trouble, yeah, I yeah. think. And, um, <laughs> but anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a topic that we could... I mean, I had a lot of stuff picked out and we basically covered most of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that we could come back to again and again for sure. Because, I mean, there's a lot of angles to explore on this. I mean, yeah. there's...
0: I, I think I think I'm AI'd out for now.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I mean once yeah. if we if we get to the point everywhere we both read that David Columbia book oh, yes, uh, so now I... cultural Yeah, I think if we ever I mean that that alone is a pretty deep text and it's not one I think a lot of you have read because I mean it is an academic book and um I mean it like it, it is very uh, it's not I mean it's easy to, to sort of read, but he does go through a lot of like, you know, background in, in you know, sort of the literature and different fields and philosophy and mathematics. Yeah. I mean, you have to sort of like, you know, be patient with it, but um, and um, he also has a book about crypto, um, the politics of Bitcoin, which I have not heard. Politics of, I think it's politics of Bitcoin or crypto, but I in that too and I think he has one more that's coming out that is posthumous because he, he died last mm-hmm. year, but um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's one of those topics that yields itself to a lot of different readings so so technical and yeah otherwise
0: if you're still listening to this and you made it all this way uh (laughs) thank you thank you for listening thank you for uh uh giving us the benefit of the doubt (laughs) (laughs) um and and you know if you have any thoughts on ai just let us know i mean I, i i'd be interested in talking more about it you know with people who know more than i do um i generally usually that's you (laughs) because um but but i you know i just i have a lot of like i have a lot of feelings about it um and having having kind of the uh the the i don't know the uh the 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 data the statistics to back up my feelings would be cool and nice Um, but but yeah i i think this is definitely a topic that we can come back to um in the future, um, maybe like yeah. you said, for for a book club, uh, yeah, for discussion. Sure. But
1: yeah, but or, yeah. Uh, even Stephen King has some ideas on AI too that it could be worth uh, unpacking at some. Point.
0: Oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and also, yeah. I'd like to say thank you, Alex, <laughs> for, for letting me ramble on for about an hour about nothing. Uh, about about <laughs> my feelings <laughs> yeah so yeah it's a it's a, sure. a good discussion so
1: yeah it was yeah it, it was it was it was productive I mean we uh I mean hearing what went on in those conferences I mean is very um eliminating I mean uh it's uh I mean it's kind of what you know it validates some of the the ideas that I'd had about like you know how people see mm-hmm. this and mm-hmm how they're sort of grasping for use cases and and so on, but uh and but then seemingly at the same time like completely assured of its value.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that th- th- even I mean, even in higher ed, right? This is something I should have said earlier, sorry. But like our our faculty are like champing at the bit to get like an institutional chat GPT license. They're like, we need yeah. a bubble, you know. So I don't Whatever.
1: Careful what you wish for. Yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I can see that going really out of control. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just it. It's another. Um, uh, it doesn't. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what they what they imagine its ideal use cases are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Checking the plagiarism that the, that <laughs> came from the same people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you yeah. Did you write this?
1: <laughs> Chat GPT. You write this. Well, yeah. The New York Times sued Chat GPT over things because, like. They were. They would give it prompts. They would literally like copy and paste something from a Times article, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and which I mean, and everybody knew it had been trained on that too. But it's like, you
0: know, kind of blatant. Like yeah, this.
1: some people have called it like spicy autocomplete. Like yeah. uh, that's what they called like uh, LLMs. But in a way, they're kind of like spicy copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that might actually are spicy clipboard. And, you know, that that's kind of like what they meant. Uh, yeah, but uh, sure. anyway. So
0: well, well, you. Um, blog
1: right yeah blog i haven't updated in a little while but uh i have uh sort of a backlog of things to publish uh from uh you know various short and long pieces alike so uh that's content hyphen lab agency uh,
0: and i have a new website uh well it's not it's not like a new website but I have consolidated my uh, domains, so it is now lizcultivates.com. Um, it's got a new wrapper on it. It's a new homepage. Check it out if you like. It looks pretty neat and cool, if I do say so myself. Um, and I uh, have been doing a little bit of streaming on Twitch recently, so um, if, if that's a thing that you're interested in, I've been... Playing um, my favorite GameCube game that they ported to Switch, which is uh, Bayonetta's Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean. So, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: they've been really mining the GameCube. For, ah. They 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 remastered the first two Pikmins as well.
0: I wish that they oh. would just do all of them because <laughs> the GameCube <laughs> well, was did, really good. Wait,
1: wait, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I've got a yeah, the GameCube library. I mean, it's it's pretty. I mean, it, it, it's one of the smaller ones, but but it did have a lot of pretty good titles, and they've. I mean, Nintendo recently they did what well, Mario Sunshine was remastered for the 3D All Stars Collection, and then um, Pikmin one and two, and, and you know, the one that you were talking about mm-hmm. as well. So.
0: I I think a lot of it for me is just nostalgia because I was at I was like uh like ten yeah. when the GameCube came out, so like the yeah. peak you know video game playing age,
1: yeah. But. Yeah, I have a I have a Japanese GameCube I only really use it for uh 'cause of course the GameCube is region locked, so uh wow. but I only use it for the Metal Gear Solid uh Twin Snakes, which is a remaster of the PS one nice. uh, original and it it's super expensive in English, but the, the Japanese version is much cheaper but it but it plays in English um and, and with, with uh I don't know why, but I, I think it has Japanese subtitles. But um nice. and uh and then there's a puzzle collection too that only came out in Japan. That's like, uh, you know, Yoshi's Cookie and some other puzzle games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I have the Game Boy Player for that too, um, which, that's kind of neat. Although uh, I do have an analog pocket which were <gasps> much more higher re- resolution on those and save states and, uh, and all that you know, all that jam. So, um, and their analog is coming out with a, uh, the analog 3D this yes. year, which is their uh, their N64. Uh, with 4K output, so oh man, I'm looking forward to that. I have a, I have a couple of. Well, the, the main game I want to play with that is the Mischief Makers, which is a, which is a 2D like, um, kind of pixel art game, which is very unusual on the N64. But it was one of my favorite games back in the day. And then, um, uh, Indiana Jones: The Infernal Machine. That was a that was a bespoke sort of n yeah. N64 port of a, of a, um, of a what was it, a PC game. It's about Factor Five, which was a very, um, you know, uh, cutting-edge developer back then, and they made a lot of enhancements to it. Um, so, and then there's uh, there's lots of others that you know that, of course, you have all the the classics, but those are kind of a little uh, a little more obscure, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, then Ogre Battle '64, which is you know, yes, an
0: that one. So yeah, put it in the AI, put it in ChatGPT, <laughs> and give us some <laughs> put more of
1: it. ChatGPT, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. All, right. all right, I think we're good.
1: I think we're good. We- okay.
0: Bye. Thanks, right. right, bye. Thanks for listening. All right.
1: Right. Thanks for listening.